Hello everyone, welcome to the Brazilian Dragon Podcast. My name is Felipe, I'm the titular Brazilian Dragon. Now normally on this podcast we talk about late 90s, 2000s cartoons, TV shows, movies that uh, early 2000s kids grew up on. Think of Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, Disney Channel. We talk about Total Drama Island, Phineas and Ferb, High School Musical, the Musical Series, and a lot of Disney Channel movies as well as Scooby-Doo. But September 15th starts Latine Heritage Month and I wanted to do a special project and that's what you're about to listen to. This is our intro episode. I hope you stick around and enjoy this month-long presentation of Si Se Puede, a look at Latine and Hispanic heritage on American media. September 15th to October 15th, each year marks Latine and Hispanic Heritage Month. As a lover of film and television and an aspiring Hollywood creative and storyteller, I wanted to highlight the cultures of my people and investigate further into what the term representation matter truly means when thinking about Latino stories. Latines and people make up 18.7% of the population in the United States, yet our stories continue to be underprioritized in the American entertainment industry. In this podcast series, Si Se Puede, I will be exploring what Latine representation in American media means by interviewing a number of Latine and Hispanic actors, directors, producers, reality stars, and consumers. Welcome to Si Se Puede here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. Now, before we sit down with our first guest on Thursday, let's look upon the history of representation of Latine and Hispanic people in American media. Before his horrendous film, Birth of a Nation, notable racist D.W. Griffith brought The Greaser's Gauntlet to life. This short, silent film from 1908 created many of the harmful Latine stereotypes that continue to persist in today's culture. The film also notably used brownface and was especially harmful to Mexican cultures. In 1921, the Latin lover stereotype was originated in the movie The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Now, that was actually played by a man who was Italian. That man was Rudolph Valentino, and he became known in Hollywood as the Latin lover or the great lover, despite his heritage not being Latine or Hispanic. In 1951, the first Latino actor was able to win an Oscar. Puerto Ricanio Jose Ferrer wins the Academy Award for Cyrano de Bergerac. In 1953, Anthony Quinn wins the Best Supporting Actor for Viva Zapata. 
and he later wins again in 1957 for Lust for Life. After that, it takes almost 50 years for another Latino actor to win an Oscar, and that was Benicio Del Toro for Best Supporting Actor in Traffic from 2001. And the winner? Ah, in the absence of the winner, Mrs. Anthony Quinn will accept the award for Anthony Quinn. I'm sorry that Tony couldn't be here, but when I let him know today by telephone, I know he'll be a very happy man. In 1951, Desi Arnaz and his wife Lucille Ball revolutionized television with the introduction of the multi-camera sitcom. I Love Lucy ran from 1951 to 1957, and Ricky Ricardo became the first iconic Latino television character. There were other attempts, including Chico and the Man and Que Paso USA in the 1970s, aka Pablo in the 1980s, and Common Law in the 1990s, to show Latino families in uh, American television, but all proved to be too offensive or otherwise unsuccessful. Mira que me decir a mí que yo no sé hablar inglés cuando lo he estudiado perfectamente en todas las universidades. Muchísimos años, yo lo hablo mejor que toda la gente que está sentada en la mesa aquí. And whenever you're ready to call me and apologize, you can call me down to the club. Don't hold your breath! <laughs> the first successful Latine show that was a sitcom would come in 2002. That would be the George Lopez show. In 1962, Rita Moreno wins the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in West Side Story. And in 2022, Ariana DeBose continued the legacy of Anita by winning the same award for Steven Spielberg's adaptation. Other Latina and Hispanic actresses to win Oscars include Mercedes Raul for Best Supporting Actress in 1992's The Fisher King, Penelope Cruz for Best Supporting Actress in Vicky Bar Cristina Barcelona, and Lupita Nyong'o for Best Supporting Actress in 2014's 12 Years a Slave. Nineteen seventy six brought the first depiction of the Latina maid played by Lupe Ontiveros in Charlie's Angels. In nineteen eighty three, non Latino Al Pacino brought the drug lord stereotype to life as Tony Montana and Scarface. While these tropes continue, Eva Longoria chose to challenge stereotypes of Latina maids as an executive producer of Devious Maids from 2013 to 2016. <laughs> Espero que te acuerden de esta canción. Como la Speaking of maids, before her 2002 picture, Made in Manhattan, 
Jennifer Lopez brought the incredible Selena Quintanilla back to life in 1997's eponymous biopic about the Tejano pop star. Afterwards, Jennifer Lopez became synonymous with American romantic comedies. However, the tabloids would exclusively ask about her dating life and not about the talented productions and music the woman was creating. From 2013 to 2018, the Academy Award for Best Directing went solely to Mexican directors. Alfonso Cuarón's Gravity in 2013 kicked off the streak, followed by two films from Alejandro González Iñárritu, Birdman and The Revenant. In 2017, Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water won the award, and Cuarón uh, bookended the streak with Roma in 2018. This name I can't pronounce. Alfonso Cuarón. <laughs> the fourth Oscar for Alfonso Cuaron, his second win tonight. Thank you so much. Being here doesn't get old. Uh, <laughs> I hope by Guillermo doesn't get old. Uh, I want to thank uh, so many people. Obviously, Yalitza Paricio and Marina Tavira. They are the film. They, they are truly the film. Uh, amazing cast and crew. Uh, Gabriela, Rod eh, Gabriela Rodriguez and Nicolás Celis, my producers. David Lindy and Jonathan King at Participant Media. Ted Sarandos, uh, Scott Stuber, and Julie Fontaine at Netflix. Uh, Kelly Bush and Bibi Lerner at ID. And uh, Guillermo del Toro, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, and uh, Henry Holmes. Now, um, the, uh, I have to say, I'm going to get lost in a Bermuda Triangle here, so I better take my notes. Oh yeah, I, I want to thank the Academy for recognizing a film centered around an indigenous woman, one of the 70 million domestic workers in the world without, works, without work rights, a character that historically had been rele relegated in the background in cinema. As artists, our job is to look where others don't. This responsibility becomes much more important in times when we are being encouraged to look away. Uh, muchas gracias, Alivo. Muchas gracias a mi familia. Muchas gracias, México. Y sobre todo, muchas gracias, Jonás Boy Olmo. Gracias, gracias, gracias. In 2018, Pixar released their first non-white, human-centric film, the incredible and visually stunning movie Coco. 
Animation continued to highlight Latino stories with 2021's Vivo and also 2021's Encanto, often highlighting Latina music as well. Lin-Manuel Miranda has been a musical force, and the film version of his Broadway musical In the Heights showed Latino excellence throughout the film. <sighs> Mama, it's better. If you're out there listening to this, I highly appreciate you. Taking this time to learn about the history of Latin American portrayals in the media is important, and I desperately want to thank you all for consuming this piece of media. I would be remiss to not include some important pieces of television and films that were influential to me as a Latino growing up in America. These include Wizards of Waverly Place, The George Lopez Show, The One Day at a Time Reboot from 2017, Gotta Kick It Up, and a show that's very, very important to me, Promised Land from ABC and Hulu. Now that's a show I actually had the pleasure of working on and I'm excited to bring you a couple interviews with the actors from that show. I would also like to highlight Santana Lopez on Glee and Gloria Delgado Pritchett on Modern Family. Now while these portrayals may have occasionally been tropey and stereotypy, they were incredibly important for me to actually see myself and my culture represented on television. Some movies that I'd like to highlight include Selena, Coco, Encanto, Vivo, a lot of these ones that I mentioned earlier. Uh, also, a movie that's incredibly important to me is Central Station. Now, that's actually a Brazilian movie, but it was nominated in 1997 for Best Actress for Fernanda Montenegro. Now, I'm very excited for this project series, this podcast series, apologies, and I hope you all join me as we take a month to deviate from late 90s and 2000s kids shows and movies to talk about something that is very important to me as a creative person. After the heartbreaking news of a number of Latina projects, notably Batgirl, being shelved or outright canceled, I was galvanized to use my voice and create this podcast series. Representation matters, and I hope these conversations will underscore how important that statement actually is. Follow the Brazilian Dragon on all social media at Brazil Dragon Pod and share this podcast series with your friends. My name is Felipe, and stay tuned for the first interview for Si Se Puede, Conversations about Latine and Hispanic representation in American media. The first interview will drop on September 15th. So much.